Welcome to Behind the Mic, exploring the media world in the 21st century. I'm James Marriott. I've been meeting people right across the industry to see exactly what they do, how things have changed, and what they think the future might have in store. Season two of the show is focusing on the subject of PR, public relations. It's a word we all know and use, but what does it really mean? How has the role of PR changed and what impact does it really have in today's current social media obsessed world? We'll speak to a variety of PR professionals from a wide range of backgrounds to learn about their career path and how they've seen the industry develop. Today, I'm going behind the mic with Richard Fiddler, Chief Executive at HR Media. Well, Richard, thank you for your time. Great to uh, to see you. Great to be here at uh, HR Media. Um, just kind of explain what what your role is and what you guys here do. Uh, I've recently taken on the role of Chief Executive. Uh, was Account Director for about three years before that. Um, so in effect, I pretty much run the business uh, from a human resources standpoint, account management standpoint, and anything to do with what we, what we do. Uh, the new role takes me a little bit away from uh, client work as such because I've got the team here to, to manage as well as the, the, the clients. Um, what we do is, is pretty much everything to do with communications. So anybody that's got any outside communications that they need doing from design work through to videos, press releases, social media, in-house magazines, outside magazines, pretty much everything really. If you want to say um, your message to your customers, uh, we can do it for you. What's your personal background? Uh, going way back. It's a good place to start. <laughs> yeah, I was a footballer to start off with. Um, left school at 18, went up to Leeds United, then Hull City. Didn't work out for me, so I went to, uh, back to university. And in my second year at uni, I did a work placement, which was right here. Did 10 weeks work placement with HR Media, or Herndal Lost Media as it was then, 20-odd uh, years ago. And just found out a passion for writing and was pretty decent at it. And they kept me going and kept me on to the final year at university and got a job the day that I left here. So I did that for five or six years, um, went traveling, uh, decided to see a bit of the world, could not see much beyond South Yorkshire at that point and really enjoyed that, came back and started working here again for another three or four years. Um, and then decided I wanted to sort of stretch myself a little bit and I set up my own business doing magazines, did a sports magazine called Replay and a uh, city centre guide called Go to Town, as well as PR work and writing work and a variety of different things. Uh, then an opportunity at the Star came up on the sports desk, which was a bit of a dream job in a way, really, um, writing about sport. And I'm a big Sheffield Wednesday fan, and but it wasn't the football side that... that uh, really sort of got me it was the overall sports that's really what my uh, my driver is and then ended up doing the summer olympics in 2012 um went down there for three weeks absolutely adored it it was probably the best working experience of my life couldn't believe i was actually there every day um which was fantastic and then i had another year on sport at the star before uh, an opportunity came up to be night editor which was a sort of big promotion at the time. But as the role suggests, was fairly unsociable hours. 
um, starting at two every day, working till well, basically the mag- the newspaper went, which was could be anything from half past ten till half past two in the morning, just depending on how deadlines were and, and what was breaking at the time. Did that for a couple of years and um, got back in touch with Martin Ross, who was running HR Media then, and he had an opportunity to come up to be his uh, number two, in effect, account director. So I came back and, um, yeah, I've been here ever since. That was about four years ago. Wow. So, um, I mean, amazing that you kind of came here on, on work placement and now, you know, find yourself uh, running the business. That's um, a kind of a, a fairly sort of amazing <laughs> career path. It's kind of like fairy tale stuff, isn't it? It's, it's funny because when I started, there was Martin and Alison, his business partner, and uh, that was it, really. And the team's now grown. It, it, it's it's had its ups and downs over the 22 years that we've been going now but we've got a team of 13 now and I could have not probably thought when I walked through the doors all them years ago that I'd be running the business and probably never even sort of um, thought that I'd have the experience or the ability to kind of do it but what you tend to find is is that as you go along you pick up all the necessary skills um, particularly when you're starting a business that is is very small at the beginning and I think the first few years was the biggest learning curve I've I've ever been on because you trusted to do all sorts of different things and if the same if I join now for instance at, at, at 2021 it'd be far different to when there was just the, the two partners running it you know you I was trusted very early to work with clients um, to make my own decisions to, to sort of trust myself and I think in some ways it gives you an inner confidence that you don't realise you've got until you, you, you work at other places or, or you do other things. So um, I think there's an element of looking everything in life. You know, you, you make your own look to a certain extent. Um, but if I'd have walked through the doors maybe five years later, I probably wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. The experience of kind of branching out on your own and kind of setting up doing the the, the magazines that you did, um, what what did you kind of take from from that? I imagine that was quite a different experience. Massively, yeah. It, it, <laughs> at the time of my life as well, it was um, I finished work here in December twenty uh, two thousand and four. Uh, the first magazine came out January two thousand and five. Uh, I was not quite thirty at the time. Felt I had loads of experience, set up with a good mate of mine who was a, my business partner. Uh, by December the 23rd, 2005, I had a house, a mortgage, a child, uh, my own business, <laughs> worries. <laughs> and wow. within a year, I'd gone from basically living the dream to uh, not quite living the nightmare, but it, yeah, it was real world stuff. You know, we had, um, we'd started taking on employees and going from that, this amazing idea that we had to do a sports magazine in the you know the city of sport and seeing all the great things that were happening, through to big responsibilities of you know paying wages, paying suppliers, uh, you know feeding another mouth, you know paying a mortgage, all the kind of things that make you grow up very very quickly. And for two or three years, we did really really well. We you know we expanded, we started new magazines up, and um, you know kind of went from a. a a relatively small startup to something that was making quite a bit of noise uh, and then the recession hit uh, around 2007 2008 and also the internet hit which was possibly the the bigger driver all of a sudden advertisers were saying uh, we're going to go on to um, internet ads you know really facebook ads at that time wasn't particularly big 
but a lot of people are looking into the into the internet market, um, shifting their spend away from print. You know, it's it's affected newspapers, magazines across uh, across the world, not just us. Um, and that was a little bit, you know, we're fighting uphill battle here at the time. Looking back, we'd started our own website on on the magazine, and we probably didn't really appreciate the opportunity that would have given us. Revenues are lower, as as most people know on on online, but we could have grown it into something fairly fairly decent because we were ahead of the game at, at that time. But because we had the magazine as well, we focused attention on that, and you know it, it just became too difficult. Funnily enough, when I got into the newspapers, very similar situation where print sales are falling, website traffic's increasing, but the revenues don't match up. So your main source of income is still how many papers you sell, but you know your, your readers are all going online, not wanting to pay for the content, but you're getting more eyeballs on there and then trying to then chain, turn that into advertising revenue is hard because advertisers will say, okay, I'll pay you a grand for that page, but I'll pay you 10 quid yeah. uh, for online. You know, it's bit of a gap. Bit, <laughs> bit of, of a gap. gap, yeah, it's a bit of a gap and, and newspapers still aren't sussed You know, it's, it's still very, very difficult. So um, obviously we've we've touched on um, you know kind of what what HR media was was like when you, you know, initially walked through the, the the door all those kind of years ago um, to, to to what it is now you know you're in a, a relatively new building in the the cultural quarter of um, Sheffield lovely exposed brick everywhere very nice um, place um, in in terms of kind of the role of a company like HR media how has that changed over the years and you kind of touched on there the challenges of things like websites and social media I mean I'm guessing when you first got involved was it just writing press releases you know what, what's kind of changed over the years how, yeah. how have the challenges well, it uh, has changed massively and yeah you, the nail on the head it was press release based um, I remember I was going to say faxing out uh, press releases which, wow. you, which I did do uh, quite a lot but we used to hand deliver them you know I used to walk up to York Street and hand deliver a disc of photographs <laughs> and an envelope with a press release in seems crazy doesn't I know it, it does it's just mentally and it's not that long ago really when you think about it um, so yeah I mean it, we, the, the two business partners that started it were both ex-journalists and they spotted that um it was a very start of newsrooms beginning to lose staff, but content was still the same level. So there was a gap. Businesses wanted to get in, um, into the paper. Uh, Radio Sheffield needed servicing, Look North needed servicing, but on a, on a different different kind of level. So it was very kind of print focused. So working with businesses who were quite happy to pay retainers to get their stories in, into the papers, press releases were sent out and... Uh, the newspapers were glad of it at the time. Um, they, they still are, don't get me wrong, but it, it's it's flipped a little bit now to how, how it's kind of perceived because there's many, many PR agencies and there's many, many in-house um, press officers, media teams, etc., etc., all churning out all sorts of different things. But going sort of back to the late 90s, early 2000s, things were going in unchanged you know you send stuff out written in a, in a way that was acceptable to the newspapers you know not just any old stuff would go in as a, as a story and it was gratefully received at the media's end gratefully received from the clients and, and obviously we were doing our doing our job over time it's kind of changed uh, from that perspective a little bit because the newspapers are, are, are I wouldn't say become 
wise to it because that makes it sound like you know the, the, it, it was a uh, not a kind of a fair exchange but they're acting a lot as almost their own PR teams at, at, at the moment so newspapers will want advertising to back up any any news stories the sort of the, the, the taste test for it is a story newsworthy really has changed it's gone from just something maybe of interest to something can we make money out of this We've got our news team that we use to drive traffic on the websites and, and, and get people looking at our website for the advertisers. And really, the, the, the news agenda has kind of altered to a certain extent from, from those sorts of places. So we, we've had to change as well from, from how we uh, we operate. Social media is, is, is king to a certain aspect because businesses don't need the media anymore to talk to the customers. You know, they go direct to them within their feeds on their websites, newsletters, emails, whatever, and they can target far more specifically who they kind of want to get to. So although the sort of the um, uh, old media or mainstream media, however you want to kind of call it, is still a vital part of it, businesses really will reflect their customers and they've got so many more different ways to, um, to speak to them now. It's kind of an interesting point, isn't it, about kind of how, you know, social media and the ability for, for businesses to kind of, you know, speak directly to um, their their customers and, and potential customers. You know, if I kind of walked in here for a meeting with you and I'm the, the chief executive of a business and I kind of say, well, I don't need to use you because I can just talk to my customers direct. What, what do you, what's, what's kind of your response to that? How do you get over that hurdle? Well, someone's still got to do it. You know, they're probably right. They can talk to the customers direct, but the, the decision then that they have to make is how are they going to, going to do that? Do they employ somebody in-house to do it? Inevitably, you employ somebody in-house and they spend, I don't know, 50% of the time doing other stuff, working with other people away from their, their primary role. So from a cost perspective, it may be advantageous to use an agency to uh, to do their, their stuff. The other benefit you get from an outside source is... We're working in this environment all the time. You know, we're talking to different businesses. We're liaising with the media regular. We're keeping an eye on social media trends. We're looking at their particular industry, but what are other industries doing? Uh, we've got a you know a huge network of people that we uh, we work with. So we, we offer far more than somebody that maybe just um, sat at one desk, having one set of contacts and sort of churning out the same old stuff day in day out for the business we, you know, we, we managed to kind of keep it fresh because we have to that is how we kind of keep in business so uh, the the end result of the conversation with, with the, the chief executive would be exactly the same but we would suggest that the way that we would do it is more cost effective and, and uh, of greater value than actually paying somebody's pension holiday days sickness days computer but you know just the whole kind of remit of setting somebody up would be better and we do work with people that are in-house and they need extra support it's not to say that companies don't have people sat there uh, doing their job we, you know we work with those guys as well um, obviously you've got you've got a fairly big team here now um, and a lot of your your team here have uh, news and journalistic backgrounds just bumped into um, Natalie on on your team who I worked with at a radio station many uh, long long further further ago than I can remember actually um, and obviously you know you've got the, the the background and sort of the credibility of having worked on the the front line of, of news um, how I guess this is two questions how how useful or how important do you think that is is it is it essential for someone that wants to work in PR to have that news background uh, not not 
you don't have to. Uh, it, it is useful because it gives you an understanding of how the media will receive stuff. But we've got people here that, that have never done that. Um, mm. And they work perfectly well with, with clients because they work in other things. So someone that is a, a social media specialist won't really have needed to work within the media. You know, that their way of working is completely different to my way of thinking. Um, we've got designers that are pure graphic designers, not never worked in a newspaper. We've also got a designer that spent 15 years working at the Star as well as a, as a uh, designer in-house and page setter and um, setting up different supplements and all sorts of different things. Uh, we've got account managers that have worked for football clubs, that have worked for health care organisations, that have never worked for a newspaper. Um, and then we've got copywriters that have worked for several um print titles so it's a, it's a real mix and I wouldn't say that any any area of the business um, sort of lords it over the other side be, just because we've got a, uh, a journalistic experience I think very much it, it would work the other way somebody that may have spent 15 years within an agency learning how to work with businesses could easily fit into one of these new roles in a newspaper because they're actively going out to businesses and saying you know, you give us your slice of marketing and we will ensure that you go into the paper. It would work from both both sides. So I think the old kind of poacher turned gamekeeper was always a one-way street from journalism into PR. It could equally go the other way these days. You could equally have somebody that is kind of a hardened PR hack, if you like, going into being a, um, uh, I won't call you a journalist, but in effect fulfilling a role on a newspaper. Definitely, or, or a website, whichever, whichever it was that they needed the revenue. Um, it was really interesting earlier when you were kind of chatting about your background and kind of starting off really with, you know, playing football being being kind of what you wanted to, to do. Um, and I, I guess a fairly unusual career path to then end up doing something like writing and, and, and PR. Um, assuming that it wasn't something you particularly thought about when, when you were in the, the football days, can you kind of pinpoint that moment that you just kind of thought, Ah, yeah, writing. I like this, and what it was that that kind of you know attracted you to something that's you know vastly different to what you were doing up until that point. Well, the, the football side. I, I, one of my big regrets, basically, is not leaving school at sixteen and doing a YTS. And I didn't do that because I had a little bit of a brain in my head and thought too much about it and thought, what if, what could go wrong if I get injured on the first week of my YTS scheme and then I never play football again. I've got to go out to sick form etc etc looking back now you can do all those things um, in your career you can, you can go back to school at, or you do A levels at any age you can do a degree at any age basically um, and I kind of regret a little bit not going entirely wholeheartedly at 16 into football and seeing just seeing how far I could have gone I did pretty well uh, but just sort of giving it absolutely everything so I always knew in my, in my head a little bit that I was looking beyond what my first passion was, which was which was playing uh, playing football, um, but didn't have a clue. Literally, didn't have a clue where would that lead me. And I think to pinpoint the moment when I thought I can do this was a bit of an ego thing. It's when you see the things that you've done, written, appear in a paper. I think actually that's quite good. You start telling people, I can see my work, and I'm still a little bit like that. I like the tangibleness. Of, of the media where you've got a little bit of ego behind it and it's like, yeah, that's me. And PR is tricky because a lot of the times you are the man behind the 
the man, if you like, and he's sort of putting things in that are uh, under somebody else's name or it's for a, a chief executive's column in a, in a magazine and you've drafted it, but it's that person that again, then gets the, the glory. So I always liked seeing um, my stuff go in and then I started getting bylines in Sheffield Telegraph first on things like basketball and um, variety of things that we were assisting on as part of our part of our role. <clears throat> and I just love that. And that's really what then drove me from from here to set my own business up and then into into the media role. The work is one thing, you know, loving doing the work is one thing, but actually then getting recognition sort of panders to that sort of you know the ego and I think that a little bit comes from the football side you know you, you everyone loves to play football but you reach a certain level where you have to show that you're good at it as well and that's often a cut off from from some people the next level up the bit that I didn't quite make is the ultimate ego you know when people talk about footballers and having the egos it's not particularly that they, they have it's just that they can carry it off you know they can sort of stand you know play in front of 40,000 people and not care you know or not seemingly care and that's the bit that's hard going from the kind of youth team, reserve team, to wanting to do it on the big stage and just flicking that switch and thinking, no, I deserve to be here. Um, and that's, to a certain extent, the bit that I kind of carried through. Not quite made it at one level, but yeah, I've still got my naming lights and people can still do it and knock it down and criticise me and all that kind of stuff. You don't mind that to a certain extent because you're there putting your neck on the block. Um, so I think when I started seeing my name on bylines, you know, I'm not ashamed by it. It's it's brilliant, and you know, any young journalist that gets their first byline, they'll all say the same. Though it's like oh, that's amazing. That's me. They'll show you the mum and dad and grandma and granddad and, and everything. So yeah, so true that I, I, my my background, <laughs> my first job was a trainee reporter at the Barnsley Chronicle newspaper, and I remember the first story I had a, a byline on. I don't think I slept that evening because yeah. I was so excited about yeah, it, and yeah. no one else seemed to understand why yeah, I was so yeah. excited. It's about amazing. It. So yeah, yeah. Still have it, you know. Yeah. Uh, Salad taped into the first page <laughs> of my kind of cuttings book with uh, yeah. with that that story on. It's um, it's brilliant. And then you get first front page byline and first exclusive yeah. byline, and um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's great. I mean, um, obviously, kind of when you when you're doing the newspaper stuff, it's it's you know that's the thing that kind of keeps you um, keeps you motivated. Nowadays, you mentioned earlier in in, in the role as, as chief exec. And, and maybe kind of less hands-on with you know actual clients from day to day. What is it that kind of keeps you motivated now? What's what's kind of you know the day-to-day challenges that, that that keep you kind of going? It's a little bit reality more than anything. You kind of go through a sort of the, the, the dreamer phase and, and and everything and um, things like making sure the business is doing well. You know, just just boring. it's not boring because it's paying people's mortgages, but it's things like that and making sure we're the best we can possibly be. Um, you do build relationships with the clients and you do sort of uh, feel like you're part of their team and part of their success. So you have a personal responsibility to, to those um, those people as well. So it, it, it's really, um, it's, it's less of the naming lights like we've just kind of talked about and more just being responsible uh, for an organisation that's helping other, other businesses as well. And making sure that the people that you work with are happy coming in to work every day, doing the best they can possibly do. And wanting to progress, you know, the personal development of people is very important. And I get a real buzz now from um, younger members of staff getting praise from clients that they've done a good job because you can see how much it means to them. You know, people can have all the confidence in the world, but they still need praise. They still need... um, 
people to tell them that they've done a good job. Otherwise, how do you know? You know, otherwise you just literally walk into a place for eight hours a day and going home. That's not a life. That's, you know, that's a bit, a bit boring. I know it's hard to kind of um, predict something like this, but um, we've talked about how much kind of things have changed over the last sort of you know, 20 years of, of HR media. Um, what, what kind of things do you expect in the future? You know, what, what do you think the future challenges will, will be? Well, one of the big things at the moment, it, well, say at the moment it has been for several years, is, is things like SEO and, and Google AdWords and things like that. And I think... <sighs> It's hard to say how far that will go, but inevitably it will reach saturation point at some aspect. And you speak to people that are experts in these areas and they'll all come back and say the same thing. It's you've got to give it time. You can't stop. You've got to keep going. The more money you pump at it will um, give you better results. And yeah, that, that, that's obviously true. But then it becomes a race to, you know, who's got the biggest checkbook, who can spend most on it. And what's the point of spending, say, three grand if all your competitors are spending 30 grand? You might as well not bother spending that three grand because it's not making any difference whatsoever anyway. So I'm interested in that area of it because that's almost the sort of the the new growth area, taking things away from PR, a little bit social media, but not as such. It's more the the traditional elements of PR. People are going directly into into things like pay-per-click and uh, SEO. So I'm interested in seeing what comes after that. I don't know what will come after that. You know, that, that is, is something really for uh, people that are specialists in that area. From a PR perspective, you still can't get away from the fact that customers want to buy from organisations that they like and trust and, and respect. So PR will still have a very important role in that. How that's then uh, progressed to um, how we work with company will we'll probably continue to evolve I mean we're involved with things where we speak directly to customers through social media feeds so we're trusted to reply to people because you see that we've got a good grasp of communications we've got common sense we understand the message um, and you, you know you, you, you're handling inquiries through many different formats and, and, and talking directly to people I expect that to continue to grow I expect our involvement with the media to continue to, to change as, as, as they change um, not just locally, uh, but but more niche publications that come out that serve a specific need. Um, it's an old saying, but content is is king still. You know, if you've got a a portal or a publication or a podcast, you need stuff. You know, you need somebody to help you out with that. You need content continuously, quality content, new stuff. So people are, are reading, watching, listening, or whatever. Somebody has to do that. You know, it, it's. It's um, it's very much a partnership between lots of different organisations, all helping each other, with the end result being that the um, the customer gets the best possible experience. I think you kind of touched a little bit on this um, just then. Kind of, you know, content is is king. Um, we live in a world where the, there has been a, a big move towards things that are more visual. Social media has played a massive role in that. Um, how important are words still in twenty nineteen? They're still important. Um, I mean, I, I'm a, I love reading. I love books, love magazines, love newspapers. I've always been about words rather than videos or, or, or podcasts. But one of the tests that I've kind of come up against recently is The Athletic that's, ju- that's just made a big launch in, in the UK. Um, 
but a lot of local newspaper journalists and some national newspaper journalists on, on board. Now, I think that the, the cost is minimal, really, you know, in, t- in terms of the content that they're producing. I've not subscribed to it, and, and I've no intention, really, of subscribing to it. And probably five, six years ago, I would have signed up on the first day because I would have read everything on there. And I'm just not as bothered anymore with that because I can get information in many different places. I can listen to podcasts on football. I can listen. I can watch YouTube videos on it. Uh, the mainstream traditional media, the BBC, Sky, are pumping out hours and hours worth of stuff. There's only so many hours in the day to sit down to a long read about um, somebody's music collection that is a you know is a place for I don't know um, uh, Southampton or you know something like that, which you'd be expected to read as part of the subscription on something like that. So I think the, the written word is, is important at, in, in, in one way, but it's, I don't think it's king anymore. I think things like this, podcasts, and I think video are very much overtaking it simply because of the way we consume stuff. We're always on our phones. Time is limited. Listening to things is easier than reading things because you can do other things at the same time. And I think it's just an, an evolving of us as people rather than the, um, the actual medium itself. I think the mediums are still have their own place. But I just think of my son who's, who's coming to 14. You know, he's on his Xbox, he's got his phone, he's chatting to his mates. He's not doing three things at the same time in the way that, that we would do and sort of trying to multitask. He's, he's single tasking, but that single task is doing three separate things. So that doesn't sound a bit, <laughs> a bit strange, but he doesn't see it as doing three different things. That is just what he does. Um, and the, and he's able to do it in the same way that I just won't have a clue. I wouldn't be able to concentrate on one thing. But that is the next generation of, of, of um, consumers of the media he wouldn't be able to read at the same time as playing on his Xbox. But what he can do is listen to something or out of the corner of his eye watch uh, a YouTube video at the same time as playing Fortnite or, or, or whatever. Which is quite a skill in itself, to it be is, fair. It is. It's, it's remarkable how they do it, but just do. That's just what they do. Uh, my daughter, you know, she's all about YouTube, you know, loves to read, but won't sit down on an evening with, with, a, with a book. Um, she might do before bed, but her, her evening will be texting her mates and, and watching um, the latest YouTube video. So the written word's still important because you can tell when something's badly written and you've got no chance of anybody engaging with it at that point. And you can probably get across more important things in print because they stay around. Whereas, um, you know, listening back to this, for instance, you would have to kind of fast forward and replay to get to bits that, that you want to and is it getting the context of the conversation you probably have, have to listen to it all whereas with a with an article you can get through it and there's, a, there's, a, there's more of a structure to it and there's more of a, a story to tell on, on, on that basis so it's still very important but in terms of how it's perceived I'd, I'd suggest it's, it's less so uh, probably every single year this might be a difficult um, question for you to, to answer, but you, you touched on there about the athletic and, and, and their model, um, and obviously you know some people have subscribed, some haven't. Um, in the last few weeks, we've seen the star here in Sheffield move to a, a different kind of um, subscription um, model. There doesn't seem to be like a definite kind of path forward in terms of how consumption of content is is ultimately going to kind of go but um you know how do you kind of feel looking at the star and seeing what what you know what they're trying 
It's, it's a tough one. I've got some really good friends at the store and, and, and you know, I love the, the newspaper. It's been a massive part of my life. And it's it's such a hard decision to make because paywalls are being brought in and out on newspapers across the country, across the world for several years. You know, we're probably talking decades in some aspects. Some have done really, really well out of it and, and survived. Other ones have, have had to quickly reverse their decisions. I think from the star's perspective, the, the big trouble they had with the website is the amount of ads that they had to have on there uh, to, to pay the way. But then it just becomes unreadable. And, you know, the people that know that most are those people that put the stories on there. You know, they, they get the criticism for it, but it's just the way life is. And one thing that the uh, the paywall will hopefully do is improve the quality of the website because they've got some cash where they don't need as many adverts on there. The issue then is, is, is the stuff of sufficient quality to entice people on there to specifically read uh, articles? Because a lot of the traffic is generated at the moment through... Um, Clickbait's calling it a little bit kind of harsh, but stories written in a specific way that will make people want to read them. Yeah. So the actual article may be, may be perfectly fine, um, but it's written in a way where you have to kind of go through to find out what, what, what it'll be. So one of my favourites is Sheffield School closes for the afternoon. Anyone that's got any child will be like, whoa, <laughs> is, that, is that one of my kids or, or whatever? And in... The early days of the newspapers informing people, it would be in the headline, it would be in the first line of text, such and such school, so you know it, but there's no revenue behind that because you want people to go to go through it. So will people um, pay to just go straight through to that kind of news or have they got into the habit of clicking simply because well, it doesn't cost me anything? Uh, so they can click as many stories as they want, numbers drive up, revenues, okay, you, you like or you don't like the story and everybody moves on. Now, it, it, there's the commitment there now, okay, I'm paying a certain amount of money per month. I expect the stories to be stuff that I you know, want, want to read and want to pay for. And that might change the model of, of how they've been for the last two or three years. I sincerely hope it works because I think you know, having a... A, a strong local newspaper helps everything really you know it helps the sports teams from one aspect it helps local democracy on the other side it promotes local businesses uh, it is just something that, that I personally believe right now uh, is, is important to a society take me forward 15 20 years who knows how I feel about that other stuff could have come in its place to, to um, provide that function um, but I just think it's um, it's an interesting experiment, and and hopefully it'll it'll do do the job. And final question from me: If you um, if there's someone that's you know kind of going through whether it's school or college or whatever they're doing, and they've kind of got their their eye on um, you know PR as being what they want to do, if you give them one piece of advice, what would that be? Multi-skill, learn you know learn how to do this uh, podcast, learn how to do videos. Uh, learn how to construct a sentence. I think most of all, though, just be interested in stuff, be interested in people. I think um, pretty much any business, really, is is all about how you, you get on with other people. If you can get on with people, then you're going to go uh, relatively far in life, and then it's up to your skills after that to sort of keep you going. But just be interested in stuff, learn about as many different things as possible. Of course, concentrate on, the, I suppose, the, the, the science behind... PR or journalism or whatever. 
But realistically, that changes on the first day you get a job. You know, theory goes out the window and you're actually having to do it. So you can learn a little bit of that as, you, as you're going along, as, as long as you're willing to learn and willing to listen and, and, and do everything. I think that the current thing um, is get experience, hate having to tell people that, you know, come in and do two weeks work placement, it'll benefit you down the line when you're not getting paid for it. But but it does, you know, it, it really does. I mean, I testament to that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, we've got that job. And there's, ooh, off the top of my head, probably five other people in this organisation that all came in on work placement, work trials, that now um, are full-time employees. So it, so it does work. Um, and there's two people I can think of straight off the top of my head who we would have taken on that have got jobs with other organisations, not on the back of working here, but the experience that they got here must have helped them in yeah. interviews and, and going through that process. So um, I'd always say, you know, try and get as much experience as you possibly can and just listen, you know, listen, pick up things. Don't be shy at asking questions and, and throw yourself into it because you're working for a long time. So you may as well give it a good go. Brilliant. Um, well, Richard, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure chatting to you. Um, the best of luck, you know, as you get into your new role here. Um, you've got a great team here at HR Media and, and the best of luck for the future of the company as well. Thank you for your time. Thank you very much, James. Brilliant to chat to Richard. They have an amazing setup at HR Media and they are such a great success story. Now check out the rest of this season of Behind the Mic for some more perspectives on the world of PR and the role it plays in today's media. Hit the subscribe button to get new episodes as they're released. If you'd like to suggest a guest or get in contact with me for any reason, head to j.media, that's j-a-e.media, and speak to you next time.